going to leave soon? I guess so. The Star Cruiser is almost fixed. We're going to have to say goodbye. Goodbye? That's what you say when your friends go away. Goodbye, not good. I don't want to leave here, Wicket, but we can finally go home. Home? It's where we live. It's far away. Why go? For one thing, my brother and I have to go to school. School? It's where you go to learn things. You can go learn here with Wicket. No, silly. I'll have to learn grown-up things. Hmm. We could go to school. Yes, you could come with us. No. Ewok live here. Wicked family here. Don't worry. I won't be gone forever. I'll come back and visit you as soon as I can. Yes, yes. Cinder, come back. Visit Wicked. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the very exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 422, Ewok Adventures. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the teak to my Noah, we've got Carl LeClaire. <laughs> oh, you filthy little beggars. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's your line, but teak doesn't yeah, talk, right. so I can't say anything. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, no, just super fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So the uh, the actually the the filming technique they used for Teak was the exact same thing they did for Return of the Jedi. They they filmed the the actor in the suit at you know one one hundredth of a second speed, and then they just sped it up like they did yeah. with the the speeder bike chase, which is so cool. Um, but that's right, yeah. anyway. There you go. The fun little fact just to open things up. But we are talking. All things Ewok Adventures on this week's episode, we are going to be talking about Caravan of Courage and, of course, the sequel to Caravan of Courage, The Battle for Endor. The two ABC family specials from 1984 and 1985, respectively, uh, in tonight's episode. And, Jason, I could not be more thrilled. I'm actually pretty excited about this. Uh, I, I watched Battle for Endor for the first time last summer, uh, but... Thankfully, Disney Plus decided to put both of these movies, Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor, up on Disney Plus uh, earlier this month. And so I got to watch Caravan of Courage for the first time, got to revisit Battle for Endor, which was nice because I had forgotten a few things. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this. This is some Star Wars that uh, I was never exposed to as a kid uh, in my younger years. So it was kind of interesting going back to the 80s again. Uh, and seeing what they did for Star Wars on TV, I will say it's a lot better than the uh, the, the holiday special. So, 
Well, it doesn't take much to be better than that, but yeah. That's also very true. <laughs> you know, the, I like that comparison of early early Star Wars TV. I mean, this is basically the Mandalorian of the 80s. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, so, how far um, we've come, Carl. How far uh, we've come. Yes, indeed. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about this with you, especially because of the fact that these are – I mean, you essentially visited these as an adult fan. I mean, I, I saw these – more than I saw the original movies when I was growing up. And um, Battle for Endor was my favorite Star Wars movie, quote unquote, from probably the age of like eight to ten um, until I finally like owned the Star Wars trilogy and and, and it got usurped by Return of the Jedi back then. But um, yeah. So and the reason for that was whenever we would go to the there was a local video store down the road from where I lived and every time we went there, the Star Wars movies were always gone. They were always checked out except for battle for endor so we would my mom would check that out for us in the video store you could only have it for one night it was a really crazy video store you'd only take it out for a night and we would watch the heck out of it my brothers and i and my mom would take it back the next day and usually like a week or two later we'd go back to the store and i'd look for a star wars movie and that would be the only one on the shelf so i was like let's watch ewoks again um it was my (laughs) it was my favorite star wars story back in the day so um, That's awesome. Yeah, and obviously it does not quite hold up as an adult fan, but the, for nostalgia's reasons, I love that movie. Um, but they're Fair both fun. they're both wonderful in their own way. Um, but I, I will forever have a soft spot for Battle for Endor. Um, Fair enough. So, um, but before we dive into the discussion, um, uh, a quick note of apologies. Obviously, we did not get the poll, or excuse me, the matchup from two weeks ago posted, let alone the giveaway we, were, we announced on our last episode. Um, life has been a little uh, stressful, difficult, heartbreaking in the last few weeks for me. Um, and I've just needed time away from everything. So I apologize that I kind of neglected things here at the show for a couple of weeks, but I know, um, I know you all understand, uh, this is something we do for fun. And sometimes you just need to check out because life is <laughs> crushing you a bit. So, um, but I'm, this life is the way to get in the way, um, <laughs> to paraphrase a Jurassic park quote. Um, <laughs> Uh, so this is to me though this is the perfect the perfect movies to be talking about um coming in coming out of the craziness of what's been going on lately um but uh yeah and then you know at the at the end of the episode we're going to give you some more details on what to expect from our upcoming musical may as always we are going to focus the first few weeks of the the month of may on all things star wars music and we'll give you the details at the end of the show um yeah and then just, uh, again, a reminder, and I promise this will get posted on the social media this by the end of this week, uh, our next giveaway for a copy of Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. All you got to do, like always, retweet the tweet if you're on Twitter, um, share it to your story if you're on Instagram, or write us a review in the iTunes store. All of those ways will enter you to win a copy of Master and Apprentice. And if you do all three, you get entered three times. Exactly. So. <laughs> Thrice, do that thrice the entrance <laughs> exactly it's like you cloned yourself uh like Django did uh well he didn't clone himself but ne- anyways um <laughs> so uh did we were we going to give them a sneak peek at, at next month now or at the end of the show uh we'll share that at the end of the show um yeah sounds good so but boy the two oh, Ewok adventures 
some phenomenal movies from 84 <laughs> and 85. And what's so interesting about these, just like just some brief backstory. And, and again, you can find this information easily enough. There's a, actually a really great two-part um, fan-made documentary about the making of both of these movies on YouTube. Just literally type in Ewok documentary or Ewoks adventure documentary in your YouTube and you'll, you'll find it. it's in two parts, one for each movie where somebody beautifully put together a bunch of behind the scenes stuff uh, talking about how they were made, but just some neat things that I, I felt like were worth mentioning. This was George's kind of early uh, entry into let's see what star Wars would look like on TV. Um, so caravan of courage came out before they did the animated Ewoks or droids cartoons. Um, this was George's way of trying to see, all right, can I market this strictly to children? And when he came up with the ideas of these two movies, he was writing these stories ultimately for his daughter, Amanda. Um, she was, I think, like four years old at the time. Um, so very, very young. He wanted these stories to be for young, young children. Um, and he was playing with a very small budget. The The budget for Caravan of Courage was $3 million, which isn't nothing. But compared to the other Star Wars movies, that's nothing, right? Um Right. So the majority of both movies as well were shot on the Skywalker Ranch property. So whenever you see them, Jason, you and I saw these hills, you know, when we were driving yeah. down Lucas Valley yeah. Road. Um, I was like, I was like, oh, man, we, we went through those hills. I was like, I'm pretty sure we walked some of those trails, uh, you know, when we were, you know, doing some of the hiking closer to uh, San Francisco, um, our first trip out there. And I was like, man, th- there are some definite things that look very familiar. Um, but yeah, it's, we drove all over that area of California and it was like recognizable as someone who's traveled there or, you know, I'm sure if you live there, it's like, oh yeah, that's totally just off the interstate or whatever. Um, but, <laughs> but it was pretty cool to see that. Um, uh, but it also works great for, for Endor. So really does. Yeah. So a lot of the, a, a you know, any of those things that you see with like the, I call them the golden hills, <laughs> you know, because they have that beautiful gold grass there in um, Marin County in, in California. That's all stuff that was shot on the back lot of Skywalker Ranch. And then the woods were actually the, they were, they went to a place called Roy's Woods, which is actually just okay. a little bit northeast of where we were, Jason, by Skywalker oh, okay. Ranch. So, I mean, we're talking probably an extra 20 minute drive at all is all it's up. Actually, oh. it's up near uh, San Rafael, which is where they did, uh, um, which is also right next to the town where they filmed American Graffiti. So um, this is all in George's so, backyard. This is basically. all in George's backyard. Exactly. And the reason for <laughs> using those locations was simply just budget, right? It was a lot easier to film close to home. Um, and they built uh, an actual soundstage there at ILM. And they used they shot these movies there for the first time, um, which is which is pretty neat. Um, And uh, what's cool, too, is uh, a lot of the there were not a lot, but they definitely reused some of the set pieces from the Star Wars movies in the two Ewok movies. So, for instance, in Caravan of Courage, when Mace sticks his hand into the tree and that like creature bites his hand. That's actually the space slug from Empire Strikes Back. It's the exact same puppet. They just kind of added some like extra gross stuff to it, but it's the same I, puppet. I thought so. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so. Which I thought was really cool. And then in Battle for Endor, Tarek's throne, the throne he sits on, is actually two uh, speeder bikes from Return of the Jedi, kind of glued together. And if you look at it, you can, it's the bottom of them, so it's not the top part of it. But if you look at it, it's very obvious that those are that those are speeder bikes. Um, Ooh, I have to go back and look at that. Yeah. 
So th- I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah. No, and um, there were even uh, a couple of quick, quick shots in the Battle of Endor that are reused in Return of the Jedi. Um, yes. Yeah, there were. I, I I picked those out. I was like, ah, ah, that Ewok waving. The signal wave is that's straight from Return of the Jedi. Yep. So yep. There were, I think there's like two or three like stock stock images from Return of the Jedi that they just kind of pasted into Battle for Endor at the end. Which is great. It worked. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the, what's neat to me about this stories, too, is so George, George Lucas got divorced from Marsha Lucas in 1983. Um, right. And a lot of folks know that. You know, he was he. There was this bitter streak to him while making Return of the Jedi because, you know, he was going through the divorce. It was a you know kind of a. I mean, I've never been divorced, but I've heard from plenty of people that it's not a pleasant experience for the people involved, um, and especially when children are involved, right? Um, yeah. George and Marsha already had children together, so you know it just makes things extra muddy. But I bring that up to say, like these movies, in a weird way, to me are kind of George's emotional working out of some of that emotion because these are both stories about family and the loss of family and the breaking up of family and finding new family in light of the loss of an old family. So to me, like both of these movies definitely have instances that make me think like, oh, this is obviously George probably even subconsciously reflecting on the experience of his own divorce. Um you know, and I and I I think in a very simplistic and yet beautiful way, these are kind of little stories he's writing to his children to help them cope with the reality of the divorce. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, his children were young when he and Marcia split, but still, like, it's a traumatic experience for any child. Um, so I think it's quite beautiful that George wrote these stories for his children, um, which to me, and again, like in the sense of like. How do you deal with loss as a child? And that's especially Battle for Endor. That's all. It's literally about death. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty dark movie for a children's movie. It is. It is. And we'll get there. But uh, before we get to Battle of Endor, we should set the scene with Caravan of Courage. Mm-hmm. Um, Premiered on November 25th, 1984. I was not mm-hmm. even born yet. Neither was I. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was about negative uh, four and a half. (laughs) I was in my mother's womb at that time. So I was I was I was waiting to come into the world. I just wanted this movie to be out first. So (laughs) Ah, fair fair enough. Fair enough. You know, you have to have Caravan of Courage lead the way. That's right. Um, for Carl Leclerc. So, uh, <laughs> so, but go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, well, you know, so the, the movie, obviously it stars, um, you know, for the first time ever, Aubrey Miller plays Sindel. And I believe Aubrey Miller is only like five or six years old for Caravan of Courage. I and mean, she's very, very young. Um, yeah. They actually said in the little documentary, watch she, she obviously couldn't read at the time. And she couldn't memorize a script. So they would literally have somebody telling her what to repeat as her lines off camera for the entire filming. Um, I I kind of, I kind of figured that because she had, her lines were all very short. Um, Yeah. So I kind of guessed that was the case. Um, She did well though. She did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then of course she basically carries battle for Endor. Right. You know, a lot of the way at least, you know, not, not by herself, but she does very well. Her acting chops, 
uh, grow exponentially in the year between the two movies. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's just the crazy thing. The difference between, you know, again, I believe she's I want to say she's five or six during the first one. So but I mean, the difference between a, a between five and six years old or six and seven years old is often quite profound. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she's She's not, but so a lot of the, uh, the character story so really she was born. Sorry. She was born January 15, 1979. So, okay. So she's five, Jesus, five during filming of <laughs> holy crap, maybe even four. Yeah. Depending, I don't know how early they filmed yeah. these. Oh, it's probably filmed uh 84 anyway. So yeah, yeah. she's about five years old for caravan of courage and six for battle of Endor. That's pretty so. impressive. Yeah. Especially yeah. Battle for Endor, the way she holds some emotion in that in, in certain moments yes. in that one. But um yeah, so but the kind of the main story for Caravan of Courage is really the character Mace Tawani, played by Eric Walker. And mm-hmm. Eric Walker has been a regular around Star Wars podcasts for a long time. This dude loves Star Wars to this day. Um interesting fellow to follow on social media. He loves Star Wars. Um but he he always has given himself the moniker the original Mace. <laughs> so when Mace Windu, <laughs> you know, was showed up on screen in '99 in Phantom Menace, Eric Walker had something to say. He's like, "I like the character, but I'm the original Mace." Um, and it makes you know it's so cool because you know uh, George Lucas when he was brainstorming character names back in 1976, writing A New Hope, Mace Windu was a character name he wrote down. So it's neat that he gave the character Mace to Caravan of Courage because it. He wrote those stories. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's really interesting that Caravan of Courage is is more his story than Sindel. Sindel is much more the supporting character, whereas obviously yeah. she takes the helm in Battle for Endor. But um, I, I just want to give a quick plug now just to say, uh, I want to say a few months ago, um, actually over on the uh, What the Force podcast, um, Mary Claire did a great, two great episodes about these movies looking at Caravan of Courage is a hero's journey for Mace and then how Battle for Endor is a heroine's journey for Sindel. So if if you want a little bit more in-depth look at those character journeys, I would really recommend checking out the What the Force podcast on on these two movies because they they really dive into that. And uh, Mary Claire is quite the the expert on those two types of journeys. So if if you want to know more about that, I would highly recommend checking those out. Um, But uh, anyway... Caravan of Courage, Jason, opens with a family being abducted by the Gorax. Very cool-looking monster creature. Um, I like the Gorax. <laughs> I do, too. It's so cool. Um, and then we go over to Ewok time. And, and <laughs> there's nothing but Ewok dialogue for, like, ten straight minutes. And what's interesting Except is... Except for Burl Ives. Exactly. And the reason they brought Burl Ives in was because they didn't want another holiday special fiasco on their hands. They realized after they'd filmed this, holy crap, there's, you know, over 10 minutes into this movie without anybody speaking anything but Ewok. <laughs> so they, they right. actually brought Burl Ives in to act as narrator specifically for the opening of this movie to give us some context. And I don't know about you, Jason, but I was raised on the Rudolph the red nosed reindeer, you know, 19, I think it's 1964 claymation movie. And when I, when I saw caravan of courage, I was just like, wait, this must be a Christmas movie. (laughs) Cause like it's got for our lives, right? Like, Oh no, you are 100% right. Like Burl Ives. I, I heard that. I was like, Oh my gosh, he's going to start singing silver and gold any minute now. <laughs> um, so 
<laughs> so oh good. man. Um, so that was that was kind of uh, that was a surprise to me, uh, but a welcome one. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, you know, I, it worked, um, and it was de- definitely needed since they they had the Ewoks speaking Ewokese, essentially. You know how whatever that language is technically called. Um, for the whole movie, for the most part, um, they kind of do a sort of a broken English, uh, and Ewoki is for, um, battle for Endor. So they didn't need a narrator for that. Yeah. Um, but for this one, because the Ewoks all just spoke their same regular language, um, they needed something to, to kind of help convey what was going on mm-hmm. a bit clearer. And, uh, you know, it's not obtrusive, and uh, Burl Ives has this this voice that kind of fits in sort of the whimsical fantasy fairy tale realm, anyways. So it worked well uh, for kind mm. of the feel of the movie, anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I will say, as a first time watcher of this, uh, this movie definitely. Everyone wishes for silver and gold. How do you measure its worth? Just by the pleasure it gives here on earth. <laughs> I had to cue that up after you brought it up. You're you're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for after you know being the first time I've ever seen this movie, I will say this movie definitely has very much a sort of hobbit mm-hmm. feel uh mixed with um like jack and the beanstalk uh and a little bit of like the odyssey you know like it, it's a lot of sort of like legends and fairy tales and classic story kind of stuff um sort of an interesting little amalgamation of all that uh kind of thing so that was that was definitely interesting, you know, because the the Gorax, you know, sort of takes on, of course, the you know the giant role in Jack and the Beanstalk, but also sort of the the Smaug, the dragon role from The Hobbit, um, in that sort of thing. Plus, you have to you know do your your big journey and gather your team, which we do, and there's different sort of um, challenges along the way and different things that they have to overcome. You know, at each stage of the journey, which is kind of, you know, Odyssey um, has the different stops that Odysseus ends up making um, on his trek and and that sort of thing. So it's it was definitely uh, I could see a lot of very deliberate references to to classic uh, and fairy tale type stories. So um, all done with this fuzzy little Ewok veneer. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I liked some of the characters uh, a lot. Um, I was a little surprised that we got an Ewok death. Uh, mm. in this. So um, I don't know if we want to kind of jump around in this or yeah, how we, we want to we jump around. Yeah, the well, the um, uh, Tuka truck, right? Is the yeah Ch- Chuka truck? Chuka truck, yeah. Um, Which is just a fun name to say, Chuka truck. Is, yeah, 
Uh, so when he dies at the end, though, apparently Amanda got really upset and she was really sad about it. So George promised her that no Ewok would die in the sequel. Um, oh. <laughs> apparently just her whole family. That's OK. But no Ewok will die, at least. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you don't not the fuzz, not the fuzzy little Ewoks. Yeah. Um, Mom and dad, younger or older brother. Sure. They're all fair game. But the Ewoks. Won't be right. Touched. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, because I know how much you love Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and, and you know, those those fat, those classic fantasy stories and Caravan of Courage, even though I've not seen a lot of the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit stuff, I've I've seen enough to know that this has that feel to it. It does. It is much more in the realm of fantasy than anything else in Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, even more so than Battle for Endor. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's magic. There's, uh, you know, the the building of this team where everybody has their own. It's almost like a and d campaign. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like you have bit. the priestess who's the sorcerer. You have the the woodsman who's Tukatruk, who's the you know, the 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 warrior or whatever. You know, so everybody's kind of got their roles and they even are given these. Um, these gifts to help them on their journey by Logre, which of course I love Logre being in the movie. Um, yes. So yeah, I mean, Caravan of Courage really does have that very fantastical feel. Um, and I, I love that point you made about how it is also really dri- driving home some fairy tale type stories mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they have to ascend Literally, the massive stairs, once they finally get to the Gorax's lair, they finally – we should have named this podcast the Gorax Lair, by the way. Um, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, yeah, like th- this ascent up into the monster's realm, you know, very Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's um, – so – I will. I want to say this. The, my biggest. So I have two main issues with Caravan of Courage. I have very little. Okay. I have very. I have very few issues with Battle for Endor. Um, and again, it, it, there are plenty of things you could po- poke fun of at both of these movies because again, they're dated children's movies. But the, to me, like the only reason Caravan of Courage doesn't work as well for me is I feel like the pacing is very slow. Um, it is so much of that movie is so dragged out. It, it, it's it's longer than it needs to be. That could have been an hour and ten minute movie, and that would have been perfect. Um, so that's my biggest complaint is I do think the pacing is really slow. Um, and secondly, is Mace is a terrible character in my opinion. Um, like he's just a jerk to every Ewok until all of a sudden at the end he's best friends with Tukatruk and mourns his his death. So I, I yeah, that's it's interesting because like I would say that that is a character flaw of, of Anakin in the prequels too, is he's just not written well enough to make him sympathetic. And I would say the same is true of Mace Tawani and Caravan of Courage is he's just kind of a, he's a jerk to every Ewok they interact with initially. And it's like, I don't really care about your quest because you're so mean. <laughs> so, um, those are my only big complaints with it. I'm, I mean, yes, uh, I, I definitely agree with the pacing issue. Um, the the pacing does seem a bit drawn out. There seems to be a bit extra thrown in. I mean, they had the uh, um, the whole sequence where uh, Sindel is getting you know back into the little horse buggy mm. there, the um, and then the the branch snaps and yeah. spooks the horse. 
Jukas to you know, ride after her in order to, to, to catch the horse, um, which, I mean, it was kind of a, a fun segment to watch an Ewok race through the trees on a horse, but it, it was completely unnecessary to the larger story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to be honest... I'm not sure the Wisty segment worked so much for me. Mm. Um, I mean, I on the one hand it did. On the one hand, I felt like there was a bit much. It's so long. To it. It's like a. It's a very- I mean, I'd actually have to time it. It feels like a solid ten minutes. I bet you it's not even that long, but it's longer no. than it needs to be. You know, they show yeah. up, they dance around, and then you're like, okay, it's over. And then it's like, oh, nope, now there's one in the tent, too. Oh, let's giggle and <laughs> roll around on the floor <laughs> and have a tickle right. fight with yeah. Isrina as the, is the queen of the Wisties. Yes, um, yes. And then, you know, that you bring, you have to go outside where they're all just swarming, and then you have <laughs> to bring the candle out so that they transform into Isarina. Um, and then he puts Isarina in his pocket. Mace puts it, her in his pocket and takes her with them on their journey. Yeah. Which I thought was weird. I've got but. one whiskey in my pocket and the other one smoking a low gray pipe. <laughs> um, classical Anderson oh. Morissette right there. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, so what's neat about, I, I, I do really like the concept of the Wisties and yeah. I think they're visual, like, um, like where I grew up, I, I loved catching fireflies at night when I was a kid. They were, all over mm-hmm. my backyard. So Wisties are essentially Star Wars fireflies. Um, and yeah. in the cartoon, they're also referred to as the fire folk, which I just, I love that. Um, the Ewoks in the cartoon call them the fire folk, but it's interchangeable with Wisties. Um, and uh, the, the design of the Wistie is used exactly the same in Willow a couple of years later. So when Willow came out, I, I don't know if they're called Wisties. I don't know if they're called anything in Willow. I can't remember, but it's the exact same effect. It's the exact same concept. It's these flying like <laughs> firefly esque type creatures um, that George literally reused in Willow. Um, yeah. But uh, I will say Wisties as well. Uh, having them in battle battlefront two is pretty dope. Uh, so when they started doing the Ewok, uh, you know, uh, it's like Ewok hunt or whatever. Um, yeah. But now, you know, in the regular game, you can play as an Ewok. And uh, one of their special abilities is they throw a thing of Wisties at you and it slowly drains your health. It's awesome. <laughs> like I love I love that they brought that into the video game. That's um, pretty cool. I mean, so, I, I like the concept, like I said, yeah. but I think this the, the segment was just a bit overdrawn. Absolutely. Uh, Excuse me. Absolutely. So that's my thing. I would have preferred more um, more fights with spiders or the Gorax. <laughs> the spiders you know, on strings. <laughs> Yes, you can yeah, see the you, strings you plain as day. Of- <laughs> so good. I love that they just don't str- care. <laughs> nope. No, just leave the strings in there. Well, we'll fix it in post and then post mm. comes around and eh, never mind. Yeah. Um, we'll just leave it. <laughs> it's too expensive to fix. You know, um it's it's funny cuz like but- I I I don't know that I ever actually saw Caravan of Courage when I was young. I don't I mean, I remember seeing the poster for it in the movie store, but I really only remember watching battle for Endor. And what's interesting is that I don't know if caravan of courage would have kept my attention as a child. 
Um, Hmm. You know, I mean, movies today are quicker paced just in general, even than they were in the 80s. Um, So what's interesting is, you know, my buddy Greg, he has uh, a six year old and he put on Caravan of Courage when it hit Disney Plus. And he was like, yeah, he kind of just wandered in and out during most of it. He wasn't very interested. And I was like, that doesn't surprise me. Um, cause again, the pacing is just, again, I don't mean to make this all negative. Like it's, I, I still have a lot of fun with it, but the, the pacing is just so slow. It is. And, uh, you know, it is partially because it's a, a, a different time. Um, you know, but, and that's part of why it doesn't really stand up as well anymore. Uh, but I think part of it is with star Wars, we are just used to something a lot faster paced, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have a lot more going on and things like that. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that's part of it. Um, the, uh, the stuff I will say though, is that I really did like the, the whole Gorax, uh, forbidden fortress, um, sequence. I thought that was terrific. um, you know, I, I did I did enjoy the spider stuff, even though it was cheesy as hell. I I thought it was fun, uh, um, and all that that fun stuff. And I I liked the the i idea that you know we have these these different characters that are using different things like magic and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I I liked that. You know the uh, um what is the the magician's name i had it a minute ago the, the, uh the priestess you mean yeah the priestess kink, yeah kink uh, i think is how you say it kink yeah yeah kink yes yeah um yeah i i liked you know i liked seeing that kind of stuff um i did sort of like the uh the giving of the the totems mm-hmm. um yeah and a, they were all going to be used. Although I don't remember the, the blue wings of strength being used um, by the one kid, uh, the one Ewok. I don't remember that. So everything else got used except that one. And I'm like, okay, what happened? There's a scene <laughs> cut somewhere, uh, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. where, where that one didn't work. You know, that one didn't make it. I'm like, well, trim some other stuff down so we can get everyone, you know, <laughs> have their their special totem be used but anyways yeah well the, so that was the the majority of the team on the adventure is wicket's family so it's his father yeah. and his two brothers um which i think is is just really neat because it's the story of a family choosing to go look for another family um yeah and you know i i don't know how intentional this is or not but right the movie opens with the abduction of you know mom and pops t- tawani um, mm-hmm. And then we immediately then go to uh, Wicket's two brothers are missing. So his dad, whose name is Deej, um, who mm-hmm. is in the uh, cartoon, he's the only character from the movies that's also in the cartoon. Oh, besides is uh, is Arena, the, the Wisty Queen. She's in the cartoon as well. Um, yeah. But so, you know, the movie opens with the abduction of the parents and then is immediately followed by the parent finding his children. So it's almost like this quick parallel of like, don't worry, they're going to be okay. Right. Um, Right. So, yeah. And and I, I, my two favorite Ewok characters outside of Wicket in in this movie are Kank and um, Tuka Truck. And I love this concept of 
these are Ewoks who live apart from the tribe, not in mm-hmm. exile, not in shame, but they just have different tasks, right? So Tukatruk is the he's he's referred to as a woodsman. Um, yep. So I just I love this concept that you know he kind of exists outside of the of the the regular tribe and yet is also very honored by the tribe and same mm-hmm. with Kank as this, this priestess. And you know, the fact that she's a priestess, it makes me wonder what is her relationship with Logre? Like I'd, I'd love a Kank and Logre story, <laughs> um, <laughs> something about them using their magics together. And um, to me, whenever you talk about magic and star Wars, it's the force, you know, it's just yeah. some other use of the force. Um, right. So Kank, Logre, they're all force users. They just use it in different ways than a Jedi makes would, right? Wonder, makes me wonder if that crystal is a Kuiper crystal. I know. Yes. Very because well they, be. they have to give the crystal uh, back to Kank, and that's why she joins them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, – that's, and, and she uses that crystal – uh, to help kind of focus her magic and stuff. So when, when she uses it, um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I liked her costume too, for whatever reason, I, I, I really kind of liked her, her little, you know, hood. That's a pointy hat kind of yeah. hood thing. And it was, it was pretty fun. So, uh, Can't but yeah, no great that, lawn ornament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she would make a great lawn or- ornament. She'd, Profile is very gnomish, that's yes. for sure. Uh, <laughs> that is very true. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was fun to to sort of see all of the Ewoks uh, and everyone in the party. You know, when when they got to the the fortress, you know, everyone got their moment to to shine um, and and have their ability used, um, and all sort of work together in order to out with the Gorax and save the parents and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the story of a lost family coming back together. Yeah. Um, and, and the adventure uh, of getting there. Um, I mean, it, it, the story is so simple um, mm-hmm. and that's what I think is quite wonderful about it. Um Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it for, I mean, I do really enjoy the ending. I do think it's really fun when they kind of invade the Gorax lair. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, um, and I, 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 anything with low gray, I love when every second low gray is on, on, on the camera and he, you know, he's using his, 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 his magic dreidel is essentially what it looks like. I don't know what else it would be. Um, to to find their parents to find where they're they're being held captive um and you know and and then questing our heroes if you will right and giving them the gifts they need to to move forward um it's really cool i i i i love that there is that element of this spiritual realm again to star wars right they have to go to to the shaman character to the wiseman and and kind of be directed on where to go um, because the, I mean, the first half hour of this movie is essentially Sindel uh, and uh, Mace trying to, well, Mace is constantly trying to pull her away from the Ewoks so they can go find their parents, but they're so lost on their own. So it's like they have to learn yeah. to trust these Ewoks to understand that they're, they're to, to 
I would say this for both movies. The Ewoks have a culture of compassion is what I call it because they genuinely care for people. They have no reason to care for. Um, yep. and especially Mace. I mean, he's a jerk to them, <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, I, I do love like, so when he pulls the gun on them and he's having the standoff, you know, inside the ship because they have Sindel and even though they're not threatening Sindel and then the one Ewok just drops to the floor and rolls back through his legs to knock him down. I love that. <laughs> I love that little moment. It's so good. And then they just pile on top of him. <laughs> It's so Dog good. Pile. Hey, hey, stop that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a pretty fun uh experience. I, I will say the one thing I did like about both of these movies, but in particular Caravan of Courage, was the the use of uh map paintings. Mm, so yeah. because they, they really kind of gave a, a big scale to everything and they used they used them in both because you know they didn't have the technology to do a lot of other stuff but um i thought they were used exceptionally well in caravan of courage because there's more places that we see um you know that we're going to and stuff like that so i think that was definitely why there was more of them in caravan of courage at least it seemed that way to me so Mm -hmm. yeah but you know, and, and, and Caravan of Courage really is sort of a, a you know, a, a kind of a fairy tale, sort of wistful, uh, whimsical kind of a, of a tone. Mm-hmm. That tone really changes in the first five minutes of Battle for Endor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so very different. Um, it, it becomes a lot more real and a lot more dangerous. So... Mm-hmm. Do we want to just jump into Battle for Endor now? Let's do it, yeah. So this yeah. came out. So we spend all this time in the first movie following Mace uh, as he gets his parents <laughs> back and dragging his sister all the way, his little sister all the way around Endor, only to have everyone except Sindel die in the first five minutes of this movie. Mace and his mom get blown up in a hut. Uh, and uh, her, her dad gets shot by marauders um, as he's, you know, defending her so she can run off to safety. That's, that's how the movie opens. Yeah. Pretty dark. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. (laughs) You know, and this, this movie came out literally a year after Caravan of Courage, a year and a day after it was November 25th, as opposed to the 24th of 1985. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Caravan of Courage, it, it's, it's funny to me because I just, I didn't know this. I, I wasn't, I wasn't obviously alive in 1984, but also didn't know enough about these movies back then anyway. But, um, it was nominated for two Emmy awards, um, and it won for best special effects. Um, it was also up for best, um, children's production or something. It didn't win. Um, but it was really popular. Um, it, it, it broke a bunch of like viewership rec- records the, the night it premiered on ABC. Um, so it's funny to me cause like, I feel like it's so much weaker than battle for Endor. Um, but, but it, it did well enough that battle for Endor could be made, right? There were enough people <laughs> that were like, Oh, we would love another one. Um, and that's what we got then a year later is we got the second story and, um, George had a few more helping hands writing this one. And, 
Apparently, when they got together for their writing brainstorm, George just said, I want this to be a movie about death and how a child would deal with death, <laughs> just, which is just like, holy sh- <laughs> Like, come on. <laughs> um, like, oh, okay, George. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm genuinely curious. And again, I don't know. And the only person who would know this is George himself or maybe the people he directly said it to. But I do wonder if maybe Amanda was asking him questions about the divorce that were really hard for him to answer. And then this is a, his way of kind of responding to that. You know, like why? I, I mean, I can imagine a, a five-year-old child saying, why did you and mommy split up? Right. Like that's a valid question a child would ask. Um, mm-hmm. And this is kind of like, again, George's response to what was happening with his own family. Um, and he wanted to tell a story to children about how to deal with death. Which is like, holy crap, man. <laughs> like, that's wild. And, and that's exactly what he did with this story. Um, and like you said, you know, in the first five minutes, the entire family is killed. Everything that was accomplished in the previous movie was almost for naught in a way, right? Because they don't last at all. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's wild. Um, it, something I like about the, the marauders in the beginning too is um, they do have, I remember when chapter four of Mandalorian came out, the sanctuary, uh, the, the marauders in that I hadn't seen battle friend or in a while. So I was just like, Oh my gosh, is this the same species of marauders from battle friend or which in my mind, if it is, that's awesome because mm-hmm. so right. Obviously the blurgs are in the very first episode of Mandalorian. The blurgs are first used and in Battle for Endor, you know, and obviously they're used again in Clone Wars, um, Champs and Duel and his raiders ride him. But uh, the first place that Blurgs ever showed up in Star Wars was Battle for Endor. Um, so I, I did think at the time, I was like, oh, this is so cool that Mandalorian is using another Ewoks thing. But then you, if you look at them side by side, they look nothing alike. Um, but it's just it's a similar concept that these Marauder type characters and in. in Um, I was actually watching the movie a few days ago with, with our friend jazz and jazz pointed out, uh, how much the marauders from battle for Endor reminded him of a Hondo in his Raiders. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh, that's yeah. Cause he's like, they do have a little bit of a weak way look to them. And I'm like, yeah, they totally do. Yeah. They're weak way. I mean, I think they're weak way, or at least some of them are, um, feel like they're weak way and Nikto. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what they look like to me, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it was a very interesting, you know, very dramatic shift to, to have these marauders who are just, um, you know, they're trying to get off Endor is what their, their goal is. Um, and the, the whole story is that they have been told by somebody we don't know at the time that, uh, there's this power source that they have that, that, that this hidden in a, a star cruiser um, and there's a protector of it. Um, and they want that power source so they can get off planet essentially is the idea that I understand. Um, but the problem is, is they mistake who that is uh, for Sindel's family and her dad um, and their ship rather than Noah. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's what kind of what starts all of this. Oh, and, um, Tarek, 
the the marauder leader also has a pet witch <laughs> yep um charl Charal. Charal. yeah Charal. yeah who uh i understand is considered a night sister that's right and that's obviously never mentioned in the movie itself um one of my favorite little star wars comics it's called shadows of endor um, and it connects the events of the cartoon and a little bit of the movies right up to uh, Return of the Jedi. So the, the comic ends with Wicket finding Leia. I've always had an issue with this, that the movies and the cartoon are supposed to be prequels to Return of the Jedi. Because that just really flies in the face of any rationale. Because they all <laughs> seem to be so flabbergasted by humans in Return of the Jedi. And yet they interacted with a bunch of them years before it literally makes no sense. Um, right. So in my mind, they've always been sequels to them, but be that as it may canonically, it is supposed to be, well, I mean, canonically, I think they're legend stories now, but um, they are essentially supposed to be prequels. So in this comic though, which again, I, if you've never read it and you enjoy Ewoks and star Wars comics, I highly recommend just like grabbing this off eBay or even Amazon. It's pretty cheap um, shadows of Endor. And in that Sheral somehow comes back, even though this movie ends with her being permanently stuck as a crow. Um, but she comes back and she announces to Logre because they have like a magical force showdown. Uh, she announces that she's a night sister. Um, and uh, so that's, and I don't know if it's announced. I don't know if that's any f- taken from anywhere else, but even if you look her up on Wikipedia, she's considered a night sister. Um, so, you know, her little ring that allows her to, change into a crow. Uh, I was also wondering the same thing that you were asking for Caravan Courage. I was like, I wonder if there's like a little bit of a kyber crystal in her little ring there or something. I don't know. So again, like, I mean, if she, if she is in fact a night sister, she's using the force, she's using dark magic, but she is using the force. I mean, this is something the night sisters do. She's obviously not very good at it because she has to have this ring. Um, and she can't, she's seems a little bit, uh, underwhelming in her abilities <laughs> uh sometimes uh not her abilities aren't up to snuff for Tarek, at least for the most part so um who by the way is kind of scary for yeah. a bad guy you know he's i mean y- you would have to give him a better mask or makeup if he was going to be in any of the movies but he could be in one of the movies he's that kind of dangerous mm-hmm. um so um yeah. yeah he is and um you know it and they capitalize on that well when Sindel has her nightmare sequence right oh. after they're after they've taken up sanctuary in noah's hut um you know she has that terrifying nightmare and the the marauders are coming through the door and she goes to wake up. No, and it's Tarek. Um, you know, yeah. it, it, to me, it's like this, it's, this is the thing that children have nightmares about, right. Of monsters. And it makes sense even in, again, like I do think George, he, he definitely knows a bit about child psychology because the story begins with, you know, this is something sad to say, but this is something common in star Wars is characters losing their family. Um, I would say the only other person almost as young as Sindel to watch her parents taken from her is Jin in Rogue One. Um, yeah. But, right, Sindel sees her entire family killed. That's some pretty traumatizing stuff. So this nightmare 
to me is like a, it's an incarnation of that trauma, you know. So this mm-hmm. story literally begins with sometimes terrible things happen and you lose your family. Um, and I, and I, again, like this is obviously me kind of maybe projecting onto what George might've been thinking. But again, as, as kind of a young father recently divorced, it's him raising the question at the start of this movie of what happens when your family splits up, when your family is taken away from you or destroyed your, your sense of safety is completely destroyed. I mean, it happens to wicked too, right? Like his village is also raided and destroyed and everybody thrown into captivity. Um, so you have these two young characters. So kind of going with the, the Rudolph theme from Burl Ives in the first one, you know, they're kind of like Hermie and Rudolph. They're like these, you know, they're, they're homeless wanderers through the kind of into the middle act of the movie till they find yeah. Noah, right? They, they're looking for their place in the world because their place in the world has been robbed from them. So they're looking for a place to call home. Yeah, no, they are. And, um, interestingly enough, the, um, the nightmare sequence is kind of like the first time in the movie that Wicket and Sindel have been able to just sort of stop running, mm-hmm. you know? And so she, she's finally having to think about what happened with her family and all of that crystallizes in her mind with these, these monsters that are coming to get her. Um, so, um, but yeah, Noah's a fun character. I like Noah. Brilliantly cast too, right? Wilford Brimley Wilford is so Brimley. good in that role. Yes. Um, uh, Noah and Teak. I love Teak as yeah. well. So um, uh, he's no, Noah is, is the guy who always has to pretend like he doesn't care, mm-hmm. you know, especially when we first meet him, like he he's ready to just kind of throw Sindel and Wicked out on their ear. Cause they kind of, you know, trespassed into the, his house invited by teak um but he's like no no we don't want strangers around here you guys gotta have to leave you know um and then he kind of sees what they've been doing and he's like well don't let me catch you giving them any of this food that they made uh i know i'm gonna go over and go get some more stew so don't let me see you doing any of this stuff to teak and then teak of course takes the the muffins or whatever it <laughs> runs out and gives them to wicked and Sindel. Um, and then later on after they built a fire, he just comes out and, you know, basically just dumps water all over their fire. And he's like, you can't have a fire out here. The proper place for a fire is in a fireplace. And it's like, all of a sudden he's smoky the bear. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. You know, um, and they're like, well, yeah, but we were cold. And he's like, well, come on, let me show you where to do it. You know, let me show you how to do a real fire, which is his way of saying, all right, come on inside. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was just great. I like his staff too. His staff's got like little, uh, I don't know what animal that is. Like a it looks like an oil, face. An, an oil, an owl, an owl. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. an owl face, it's like an owl face. It's so. the head of his cane there. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so while I was watching that uh, little making of for Battle for Endor, they talked about how apparently George and his daughter had recently watched this children's story. I, I want It's not Matilda. It's something that sounds like Matilda. But it's literally the story of this little girl who's kind of lost and she befriends this old hermit in the woods who reluctantly like lets her in. And then, of course, they become like 
super close. So, I mean, that's literally where Noah's character came from is this story George watched with Amanda. <laughs> so, and he just kind of <laughs> took that story point and that's who Noah is in this story, right? Kind of the supposedly reluctant grandfather type figure. Um, yeah. But as we learn more about Noah too, we also learn that just like Sindel and Wicket, he's a character who has experienced tremendous loss, right? He, he came there with his friend Salak and Salak, he's, I mean, to him, Salak is dead and, Obviously, we get that confirmation a little later on that he is did he is indeed dead. Um, yes. But but just like Wicket and Sindel, uh, you know, he is a character dealing with loss. And the the I think what's important about him is he is the adult character who has experienced loss and mm-hmm. as an adult has been able to process that more fully than a child ever could. Um, and he offers that wisdom to them. And he and he get I love that little moment. It's very tender. And he you know he says. You know, your family, they're in here, right? And he kind of taps her chest and Kate in her heart. And he says, what did your father, what are your father's last words to you? Oh, he said, I'll always be with me. It's like, that's right. As long as you remember him, he'll always be with you. Remember the good times, you know? And so it's, it's kind of this wizened character giving them advice on how to, you know, how to kind of handle the, the, the trauma of that loss is yes, they are, they are physically gone, but you can still keep them alive in your memory, Right. Um, mm-hmm. so I like that little moment with, with Noah and Sindel and, um, yeah, they're, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy kind of that middle act of this movie just because it's, this is like the stuff I always love in a star Wars movie or really any story. It's, it's that like those moments of, uh, we can finally breathe, right? Like you said, you know, they yeah. can finally stop running, um, this is why I love, I mean, chapter four of the Mandalorian is one of my favorite episodes because that's what that episode is. It's called sanctuary for a reason. And this is that part of the, the, the Ewok stories is their seek there. They have sanctuary. They have this cute little home. I mean, it reminds me of Yoda's hut. So of course I love Noah's yeah. hut. <laughs> um, very cool set design. It also has a bit of like a hobbity feel to it to me. Um, is this, in, remind me if this is in the hobby, isn't there like, like some, um, uh, beavers that like have like a little dam house that they welcome somebody into is, or is that Narnia? That's Narnia. Okay. That's Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. That's, um, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. So, but similar uh, trope, right? Yeah. No, it is. It is. Uh, They, they, the children come through to Narnia. Um, they meet Mr. Tumnus, uh, and then they, the first people that really kind of welcome them in and give them like a full view of, you know, well, when the, the whole family goes through the people that they meet first are the beavers. Um, and that's, uh, that's where they kind of really start learning what's going on in the world. So, um, but yeah, they, they go into the dam and all that fun stuff, but yeah, this is, this is basically like that. Um, and it's really good. Uh, we do get some, you know, fun stuff, some like nice little character stuff with Teak and Noah and Sindel and Wicket. And they kind of have a nice little family vibe going on here. Yeah. But, but Sindel and Wicket, in particular, Wicket needs to find his family, mm-hmm. and Sindel um, wants to do something about, you know, helping Wicket's family and doing something about these marauders. Um, but what gets her out is Charles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she kind of becomes the so in the you know we have this. Like you said, like this cute little moment they're singing and dancing, and then Sindel sings this little lullaby that her mom would always sing to her. And then the very next morning at sunrise, we hear 
that song being sung on the breeze. And it's, you know, I mean, again, this is right out of, you know, Greek, uh, I think it's the Odyssey, right? With yep. the sirens, right? I mean, yep. Sheryl is essentially a siren in this moment, you know, dressed all in white. You know, she's the innocent fair lady who calls to Sindel and pretends to almost be the mother like figure that she's missing. And then boom, turns into the black witch and the horse turns black. <laughs> and- right, right. You know, it's, it's like, you know, they, you know, you think you're meet- meeting, um, Glinda the good witch, but uh, it's really the wicked witch of the East, you know, kind of a situation, you know, in disguise. And, and she takes off with Sindel because, um, they they think she knows how to <laughs> yeah. use the power yeah. that they've taken from uh from Sindel's family's ship that they were getting ready to leave. They were getting ready to leave. Like with maybe later that day, maybe the next day, they were about to leave Endor uh when all this happened. So yeah. Uh <laughs> I it's funny because like it makes me think they want the power from that thing. Maybe all they need is some coaxium, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, that it might be a coaxium drive of some sort. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> retroactively named such. But yeah. uh, I, I will, you know, after, so yeah, after she gets abducted by Sheryl and, you know, immediately, I mean, because again, we see the, the good heartedness of Noah because he immediately jumps into action, right, to go to go rescue her. And when the, so some like where Tarek's castle is, the setting of that, um, it actually to me looks like Kef beer from episode nine. So I remember when we saw some shots from episode nine, just even in the trailers, and we knew we were going to go back to the Endor system. I figured we were just on Endor again, like the same planet from Return of the Jedi. And what even mm-hmm. when I saw those shots, I'm like, oh, that looks so much like some of the scenes from Battle for Endor, which is obviously on Endor. So, um, I mean, obviously they're not the same place, but they could have been. Um, yeah, it's the same system. So that yeah. works, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love the look of his castle too. I mean, again, like that's just, it's, it's such a simple, like, you know, the princess is being held captive in the enemy's castle, right? I mean, it's right. just such, such classic storytelling. Yeah. And then we, we get sort of the infiltration by Noah, Wicket and Teak, um, you know, which, Gosh, the the three of them under the cloak. Oh, so hilarious. (laughs) Uh, As they're sneaking through. Um, But, you know, they they make their way. They rescue Sindel and the other Ewoks who have been captured. And then it's just sort of a madcap uh, escape sequence uh, where Deej gets his hands on a, a Marauder blaster. Uh, with Ewok, with Wicket, and and the two of them sort of like cause mayhem, and with the Marauders, as the rest of them are able to sort of you know get out of the castle, and then we all end up back at Noah's ship for the the final confrontation, uh, which is a huge epic battle. Um, it's a pretty it's a pretty fun battle. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, it's yeah the I I I found it interesting the way the 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 blasters look for the marauders like they actually like you can actually see the flames coming you know every time they shoot there's like a little flame that comes out of their blaster muzzle um and in my head canon the reason for the fact that they kind of look crummy is well yeah of course they're marauders they don't have like up to date weaponry 
everything oh. they have is dated and kind of scavenged, right? It's about ready to blow up in their hands, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, so I really enjoy that look. And as they are retreating and into the woods and to where Noah's uh, ship is, which, by the way, earlier when Sindel and Wicket follow him to see where he goes and then they see the ship, I love how Wicket goes, Big Bush? <laughs> He just thinks yeah. it's a big bush because it's sort of hidden under like a some trees and stuff. And Wicked right. says it's a big bush. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Hey. Um, but uh, you know, so as the Marauders kind of come into the woods, you see the the Ewoks doing exactly what they did in Return of the Jedi. Right? They get some really cool shots of them like hiding down, out, taking cover, and kind of going stealth mode. Um, which again, like from you know an American indigenous person's sense of like uh, combat. Like that was, that was, that was how native Americans fought against the English during uh, the French and Indian war during the revolutionary war, right? Like they kind of these guerrilla war tactics. So it's really cool that again, the Ewoks are kind of the indigenous people of star Wars. So to see them use like using those, those tactics while in combat was, was really fun to me as a kid. Yeah. Well, and it's also, you know, the smart way to do combat when you are horribly outnumbered and outgunned. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, until they can finally get Noah's ship activated and uh, the the cannons online, and that sort of evens the playing field pretty much. Um, <laughs> I wish uh, Noah had swung around in his chair like when he's sitting at the blaster, and Sindel should have been like, "Noah, we're in trouble," and then Noah could have been like. This baby still got a few surprises left in her sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see Wilford Brimley saying that. <laughs> It'd be so good if he did, though. <laughs> oh man! But um, before we, we we wrap up this conversation, we got to talk about the the final duel mm. between. Eric and Noah. Most epic duel uh, in Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, right. Right. I love I love the Twitter post you made uh the other day with a picture of their fight and said Q duel of the fates. Yeah. Um <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I now want to see this battle with Duel of the Fates. Uh, it'd be play, so easy to so. do. I should just do it. Um yeah, it'd be so <laughs> hilarious. I th- I mean I do enjoy it. It's a fun little duel and I like it's that- well choreographed. Yeah. And I like that Tarek actually does technically win because of course he would. Like, why would Noah be a com- like a skilled combatant? I mean, he's just a adventurer who's been stranded for at least thirty years. <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of neat that Tarek does win, but ultimately Wicket comes to the rescue by doing the little trick that he did at the beginning of the movie. You know, um, <laughs> yes. But the first it was with the berry, then now this time it's a rock. The little yeah. sling trick. Yep. Although he still gets it wrong in Return of the Jedi, so um, again, yeah, that's why. How, how is this a prequel? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then then the Infinity Stone falls into Tarek's hand and it kills him because he's not Thanos. Right, right. It's it's damaged and it's cracking and it's the the Infinity Stone that Carl is referring to is the gem in Charles uh, Charles Charles ring. Um, that she uses to kind of focus her her magic. Um, so she transformed into a, a, a crow or a raven. I always forget which one is which. Mm. Uh, but uh, in order to track down 
the escaping Ewoks and Sindel and Noah and all that stuff um, and sort of help lead the Marauders towards where everyone was. Uh, and when she transformed, Tarak grabbed her her leg and took the ring off of it so that he could, you know, telling her who's still in charge, essentially, because he doesn't trust her right now to not leave. Um, <laughs> so, um, so that's what sort of gets cracked with Wicket's little sling and stone trick, and it kind of, well, it goes off, and... Now Tarek is a stone sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So that, this movie ends to me kind of, I mean, it is kind of sad, you know, everybody Sindel. Um, I love at the beginning um, after, you know, after her family is killed and she's, she's first captured the first time and thrown in with all the Ewoks and Wicket immediately like takes her in and says, you know, you're, you're Wicket's family now. Your family, your family is the Ewoks, and you know. Then you see all the Ewoks nodding their heads, yes. And so, like, she kind of gets this new family, and then she has to leave them. Um, I don't know where Noah's taking her. My guess would probably be to wherever she's from, um, maybe to next of kin or something. But both the beginning of this movie and the end, you have Sindel promising Wicket that she's going to come back, and there was supposed to be a third Ewok movie where she comes back years later and connects again with wicket and teak um i don't know if it was ever anything thoroughly written down but there there was always plans to do a third movie where sindel does come back um because and because the movie literally is bookended with that where she says i promise i'll come back she says that because she's about to leave with her parents and then at the end i promise i'll come back um yeah so you know you kind of have this emotional goodbye you know um of, of all these characters yeah it's it was a really really nice little scene and yes she does she does promise it several times uh throughout the movie and i I like the callback obviously you know she's explaining what goodbye means at the beginning to wicket um and he says goodbye not good um and at the end he tells her goodbye and she says goodbye not good yeah so yeah uh, that was that was a nice little a little callback and cute uh, moment. So, uh, and like I said, Sindel, uh, Aubrey Miller does very well, um, in carrying her part of this movie. Um, I, I'm very impressed with how well she does because a lot of this movie is riding on the back of, of Sindel and Wicket. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, Warwick Davis, uh, is a little bit older than her, um, even though he, she's taller. Um, <laughs> but uh <laughs> he's a bit older than her uh and he's already done you know other movies and stuff like that so he's got some experience on her but uh the the chemistry between the two of them uh and the the way they were able to really carry the movie together um was was impressive uh for two kids you know um i thought it was very well done um, and that they they rose to the occasion, especially in Battle for Endor, and obviously Noah helps carry the story. You know, later on when he arrives, but he's not in he's not in the movie for like the first twenty thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's I mean it's just it's it's a lovely story of 
of, of, of all, you know, they all get through the loss. I think is how the, the, the kind of the message of how it ends is, is you sur- you can survive anything and, yeah. and there still is more life out there for you, even in light of what you may have lost. Right. I think it's kind of the simple message. And, um, and again, I, I, I don't know if it's meant to be super direct to his children or not, but it is it, again, like this is me speculating. Um, but, whatever the questions his children may have been asking him the year after his divorce, I feel like this movie might have been a response to some of them, which is, you know, it's so hard that when families are broken up or when families are taken apart or destroyed or whatever, Mm -hmm. but know that they'll, you'll always carry on. Like you can survive it. You will survive it. And there will be people to help you survive it. People like Noah and Teak and Wicket and, you know, like there will be somebody new to take you in and, and help you help you move on. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I just I love the simplicity of that message. Um, and, and I do think it's a very bold decision that George made uh, with a children's movie to, to tackle something as as heavy as death um, in a weird mm-hmm. way. This literally just popped into my head in a weird way. It makes me even think of what WandaVision just did. I mean, totally different way, but WandaVision, a Marvel story dealing so excellently with a, a, a topic as heavy as grief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the grief of losing people you love. That's a really heavy topic for a comic book story to, to handle. I, I think a lot of, a lot of people might s- suppose, um, but it did it so excellently. And here you have a children's story about Ewoks tackling <laughs> something as, as existential as, how do we cope with death? <laughs> you right. know? Um, yeah. And uh, I think that was a really bold choice by George. And in a lot of ways, I think it's a very loving choice by George that he wanted mm-hmm. to tell these stories to his children um, yeah. and, and have fun along the way. Cause they are ultimately fun stories. They are, they are. Um, I, I highly recommend people checking these out now that they are easily accessible. Um, on on Disney Plus and stuff like that, you know. Obviously, just you know, we 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 express some of our quibbles with Caravan of Courage, um, you know, particularly the pacing and some of the um, the acting in there. But um, I I don't have much in the way of of quibbles like that with Battle for Endor. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think it's very well paced. Um, it's a little slow in the middle. It is a, a little, little slow in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But other than that, it's actually much better paced. It, it really is. The and last the, 45 minutes of our, all are all battle. Basically when Sindel gets captured yeah. to the end of the movie, it's about 40, just over 40 minutes and it's pretty much nonstop action. <laughs> so yeah, it's nonstop action. It's, it starts off with sort of a, uh, an undercover stealth, uh, rescue mission. Uh, then, Oh, we got everybody, but, the alarm's been sounded, so we gotta escape. Um, and then it's like, all right, run back to base, and then set up the for the final battle. So, and then the battle ensues. But yes, that's that's essentially the last forty minutes, and it's it's good quality stuff. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but I I don't have. I'm hard pressed to find any issues with Battle for Endor. You know, for a kids movie. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's really a lot of fun. And I highly recommend that one. But I'd also say give Caravan of Courage a try because it really kind of sets everything up a little bit. Um, so, 
yeah. at least gets you get, familiar with the yeah. the characters and everything. So, yeah, it's interesting because I, I know I saw Battle for Endor first, and like I said, I don't remember the first time I saw Caravan of Courage. Um, but I feel like if you really loved Caravan of Courage and you really love the story coming to an end with the family all back together, I could see you not like take an issue with Battle for Endor because <laughs> it's like right at the beginning, it's like everything they accomplished is taken away. Um, yeah. which is life. Um, but you know, seeing Battlefriend or first, like, you know, it's just like, Oh, there goes her family. But it's like, you didn't really have any attachment to them. Right. Because it, like, again, if that's the first one you saw, cause it's like, Oh, you see them for like three minutes and then they're dead. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a similar way to almost, I mean, I've always, to me kind of like in a new hope when they destroy Alderaan, like, like intellectually, I understand how traumatic that must be for Leia. But if you're watching that movie in 77, you you don't really, you don't know anyone from Alderaan. <laughs> you know, you don't see right. her family. You don't see your parents. So there's no emotional attachment to that scene. That's why that scene has never been emotional to me. Um, just cause like it, it, they've done stuff since, right? Like they've got ancillary material that have made Alderaan so great. Um, but in that moment, it's like, eh. that's, that's how I would feel if Battle for Ender was your first Ewok movie is like, Oh, all right. These are characters I don't really know, but now they're gone. <laughs> so, right. Um, but anyway, yeah. so yeah, there are just some of our overall thoughts. I mean, I, I, I honestly could see us coming back and doing like a top five <laughs> from from these movies <laughs> down the road because I'd I'd love to to get a little bit more in depth about some of the aspects. But uh, yeah, this was just a fun like overall look at at these two movies. And like Jason said, you know, if you've never seen them before, I, I like. I also recommend just giving them a go. You know, I, I I'd say you know, at least start them. If you're like half an hour in and you're like, I really hate these, turn them off. It's not a big deal. Um, but uh, you know, they're, they're, they're fun. And yeah, um, give, give them a chance. Understand they are made for kids. Um, particularly the first one. Um, and uh, you know, but I, I don't think that really, is too much of an impediment to enjoying them. You know, no. they, they're their eighties TV movie fair. Um, so you will recognize when the commercial breaks were built in. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's still a lot of fun. Um, you know, small scale star Wars. So yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed them. I'm glad we did this. So me too. It's been a long time coming. And at some point I want to do something on the, on the cartoons, uh, at some point. I got to watch those uh, now yeah. then I guess at least do the first season. I mean, there, there's 13 episodes and they're 20 minutes. So it's like, you can easily do that in like a, a, a few weeks time if you, if you pace it out. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I love the first season of the cartoon. The second season is, is enjoyable as well, but the first one to me is particularly strong. Um, but, uh, that said there's, those are some of, you know, kind of our initial thoughts on these two Ewok adventures. So, you know, as always feel free to share what you think of these movies, like the things you love, maybe the things that didn't work for you, how they still hold up. Do they still hold up to you? If you watch them as a, as a child, do you still enjoy them today? Um, and if you've never seen them, you know, if you, any, if you have questions about them, send them our way too. Yeah. You know, or if you've never seen them and you watch them for the first time, we'd love to know what you think. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Um, that said, for those of you who do know these Ewok movies, our poll for next week is we yes. want you to tell us which which Ewoks adventure story do you prefer the most? Are you a Caravan of Courage person or Battle for Endor? Yeah. Yeah. I have a sneaking suspicion I know which way this poll is going to go, but 
I'm interested to see what people say. So uh, I definitely know where I'm going on this one. Um, yeah, I feel like we both have I, revealed where we're going. To put them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I bet you I mean, there's a lot of people that would go the other way, and, I, and, and, I, and that's cool too. Yeah, but uh, definitely do that. Which uh, Ewok movie is your favorite? Caravan of Courage or Battle for Endor? And Carl, if people want to weigh in on uh, our our poll or anything else relating to these movies uh, or anything else Star Wars related, uh, where can they get in contact with us, sir? Um, we are, of course, on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, we're on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. Yeah, we're on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. Um, and you can always email us at wampaslayerpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Anything else you got before we uh, wrap up this episode? Just real quick. So like we said, next week, May, I love May. May is like Star Wars month all the time because May 4th starts off the month. I'm so excited. Um, oh, Bad I've, Batch starts May 4th for those of you interested. Yep. So um, Disney Plus. So I, I've been in a Star Wars funk for a while now. Lots of reasons for that. It's not particular to Star Wars, but I'm excited to like get back into Star Wars. I've got all these great things that it planned for myself for the month of May to, to love and enjoy Star Wars. And first and foremost is, of course, Musical May here on the show. So yes. for the next couple of weeks, we are going to talk about just music and Star Wars. And next week, we're going to start by looking, finally talking about the extended score for Solo, A Star Wars Story. We obviously got that deluxe release not too long ago um, digitally. So uh, we're going to talk about some of the highlights of that album next week. Yes. Uh, and then look out for uh, a Rogue One soundtrack centric episode later on. That's right. And then we got a, another top five music topic for you that's going to be a little bit more personal this time. So uh, that's going to be our musical May. And I'm very excited about this. Uh, any excuse that we get Carl to talk Star Wars music is a good reason to talk Star Wars music. So um, right there with you. <laughs> I just wish I could explain it as well as David Collins does. Me too. I can't. Yes. <laughs> we can only do so much though, Jason. Right. Yeah. We try. Yes. We try and then point everyone to David Collins. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else we got before we close down this episode? No, that's it from me. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number 422 Ewok Adventures. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. Um,